Well, good morning to you all. You know, I feel like I've been up here enough that we have learned uh, that I do not take too kindly to poor good morning. So good morning to you all. Hey, there we go. I like it. Well, as Travis is uh, on vacation this morning, I have led the mutiny and have commandeered the pirate ship. So welcome aboard. I'm happy that you are joining us this morning. Our sermon text is John 20, verses 1 and 2. So if you have a Bible, if you will open it uh, to there. Uh, Many of you know that I grew up in the Ozarks of southern Missouri, a tiny little town uh, just south of Springfield, Missouri called Nixa. And so we spent uh, beautiful days like today outside. And we always knew when to come back inside whenever it was getting dark. And every single Friday and Saturday, uh, we went to spend our days outside at my grandparents' cattle farm. And my grandparents' cattle farm had everything that a rowdy teenager wants. Plenty of land, cows, four-wheelers, horses, ponds, Uh, unused fireworks that may or may not work. And we got in some good trouble at kids growing up on my grandparents' farm. But there was one place in the farm that we didn't go. We loved to play hide-and-go-seek. That was the thing that my little brother and I did all the time. Because in a farm, I mean, you could go anywhere and the search party isn't going to find you. There's too too many nooks and crannies. But my grandparents and the earliest settlers in my ancestry had a root cellar. A root cellar is a, it's an underground room basically that they would store their food in over the summertime to keep it cold. And we never went into the root cellar because it was too dark. It was creepy, right? I'm a kid. I'm not going in the root cellar. If you're playing hide and go seek and you go in there, it's, it's every man for himself. It was too dark. I would never go into that root cellar. I actually uh, called my mom last night and she said, what root cellar? What are you talking about? And I said, you know, and you pull in and right there on the right hand side, there's a cellar. And she said, I have lived there for 20 years of my life and I have never known of the root cellar because I have chosen not to known of the root cellar. So we all avoided it. It wasn't just me. And we're now in the season of Easter. This is the fifth week after Easter. We call this season in the church calendar Eastertide. And I keep coming back to one of the texts that Travis talked about about four weeks ago in John. And there's a text. So, so read this with me. This is John 20. And this is verses 1 and 2. Follow along. It says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from its entrance. It's that, that first The first verse, the second line, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark. This this phrase, it's like a it's like a bad song that's gotten stuck in my head the last couple weeks. While it was still dark. And trying to think of the emotions that Mary might have been feeling that morning, right? Every Easter begins in the dark. The first verse in John 20 says that while it was still dark, so it's early. Sunday morning before the sun even comes up. And Mary has just lost her friend, her her God, her Lord, her confidant. This person that she has journeyed with over the last several years has been killed. And so maybe 
I don't know why she would have gone to the tomb that morning. Maybe it was to cope with some of the grief that she was feeling. Maybe it was to get one last look. Maybe to memorialize her friend. And then when she comes in the middle of the night while it's still dark to the tomb and she finds that it's empty and what emotions might have that have brought on? The fear, confusion. It says in the next verse that she, she runs, she sprints to go find someone else. It's felt like in the last 16 months we've all gone through uh, the same pandemic together and it's felt like a dark season. And we've all been struggling, and many of us have had to struggle alone. Many of us have been socially distant, isolated in our, in our houses by ourselves. And so, maybe more than ever, this emotion, the feelings that Mary might have been experiencing that morning, I feel like we can empathize maybe a little bit, that while it was still dark, that season that we are living through and that she lived through. Uh, last time I was... Uh, up here, you know, I did, some, I did some rough calculations, and Travis has been here for so many years and preaches so many sermons every Sunday. He's probably in the 200 range, and I'm on number five. So if I'm going to get to 200, y'all are going to be with me a long time. So, you know, Judd said, if you're a guest, we're not going to invite you over. I, I might invite myself over. It depends on the cooking. But I'm on number five. And the last sermon I gave was on depression. So, you know, I'm really, I'm really exciting. I'm bringing some joy when I speak. But the depression that I talked about uh, last time I was up here is called SAD. It's Seasonal Affective Disorder. And the trickiness with SAD is that it, it robs you of the things that you need most. And so, uh, SAD, Seasonal Affective Disorder, often comes to people and in, in, winter, when it's cold outside, when it's dark. And so when you're experiencing this chemical imbalance, you often want to stay inside. You want to isolate yourself. So the things that you might need when you are experiencing depression like sunlight and others and communication are the things that you are hiding yourself from. But the disorder doesn't just affect you mentally, right? If you are hiding yourself from others, it's affecting you socially. And if you're not getting out of the house, maybe you're not coming to church or seeing your Christian friends, so maybe it's experiencing it spiritually as well. This emotional loss, this season of darkness that I was experiencing last year when I preached to you, I was experiencing it more than just mentally. I keep coming back to these first two verses in John 20 and the phrase, while it was still dark, and I think Mary gives us an encouragement, both communally and individually, of where we can take this text, what we can learn from it. So let's talk communally. Uh, last week, I was able to see a friend here at church that I have not seen since last March. And it was really good to see them again. I don't know if you've experienced this lately. Maybe you have had someone over for a backyard barbecue, or you've been able to see your sister that you haven't seen in a long time, or maybe like me, uh, this morning you got gas and you didn't immediately put sanitizer on your hands. Like there is some goodness that has come about as we're slowly transitioning from this season. And maybe I'm being 
uh, hopeful at best, maybe naive at worst, but does feel like we are beginning to live into a new normal, a new season. We're, we're in this liminal space, almost like that dark Sunday morning when Mary went to the tomb. And so Allie and I, yesterday we were able to go outside and we went to S&J Farms, which is uh, in Northwest Madison, close to where we live. And you can take a bucket for $12 and you can pick all the strawberries that you can fit in a bucket. And so if you would like to come over for lunch today, we were having strawberries for lunch and we were probably going to have them tomorrow too. But it, it just felt good to be outside and it felt good to be around other human beings and doing something that felt a little bit normal. And so Ali and I were talking and we're just kind of going through all the things that we've experienced in the last year. And so I said, I said, you know, what are, what are the most memorable things during the pandemic that we have lived through? And without a beat, she said, murder hornets and cicadas. So, so Allie hates bugs if you, are, if you know a good pesticide man in town. But if you have uh, been on Netflix, maybe you have gone through the entire Netflix uh, experience and you've watched everything there is to watch on television Uh, There was one day earlier this year that the government randomly told us on a Wednesday that there was a UFO, and we just all kind of, uh, yeah, that's normal. That feels right. Uh, We've gone through an election and demonstrations and protests and and violence, and it's been a monumental, it's been a monumental year. I was thinking back as a church body, what have we experienced in the last 16 months? And we've lived through uh, some retirements of some very wonderful, long-tenured ministers who we love deeply and who have cared for us so well. We've lived through and we've lost some long-tenured members of this church. Uh, And some of their funerals, we were not able to attend in person. And the grief that we have held from those experiences. It's it's clear in the last 16 months, at least to me, it's felt like It's felt like a dark season in many terms. And so I keep coming back to this text that when all felt lost to Mary in the the midst of darkness, while it was still dark, that Mary goes and looks for Jesus. I said at the beginning that I grew up in the Ozarks, and uh, I don't know if you're very good with geography, but we don't have an ocean uh, in Missouri. But Allie's family is from the Oregon coast. And so every time that we go and visit her family, my one request is that we go to the, to the beach. We go to Cannon Beach and spend a day there. Her brother-in-law has, has devised this special shovel. And he loves to do this. And when we go to the coast, he will dig in the sand for these little rocks that are called agates. And you've got to dig pretty deep to get them. But they're almost like a glass, a marble, a, a quartz-type rock. I mean, they're, they're just beautiful. But in order to get an agate, you have to dig deep in the sand, and then you've got to sift through the sand and hope that the agate will, will rise to the surface and, and see if you have collected something good. And he said, he said this to me this week, and I won't forget it. He said, it feels like as we move into a new season that our schedules have been erased. He's working from home, and he has more free time on his hands. Uh, And Kevin said that he has been in a book club for the last three years, that he has tried to politely quit, and now he has the final excuse to be able to do that. 
But he said it feels like we're trying to dig and trying to sift through our new schedules and determine what are the, the big rocks, what are the agates that are going to take up our time? What are we going to give our resources and energies to in this new season? We have the opportunity now in this dark season as we come into the light to say and to put our priorities back at the top of our list. And so what does Mary do in the middle of the night when all hope seems lost? She goes and looks for Jesus. And so maybe for us in this season of darkness, as we're creating and sifting through our calendars, maybe this lesson for us communally is, is will our relationship and our searching for Christ be one of those big rocks? Or is it just something else that when we sift through our priorities is going to fall through the cracks? And so I, I take this in, in, as a communal lesson, but I think we can take something individually from this text as well. I, was, uh, I had a conversation with my brother this week, and uh, some of you have known the story of my brother this last year. He's, he's exactly a year younger than I am, and he was married young. And so after nine years of being married, he and his wife got divorced during the COVID pandemic. And then about three months ago, he was at my uh, niece's birthday party, and he had a freak accident and broke several of the bones in his neck. And so the last three months, he's been healing and going through physical therapy. And we had another niece's birthday yesterday, and they were going go-karting. And so the one person we did not allow at the birthday party was my brother Nick, because he's a liability to us all at this point in time. But he said, he said this, he said the one relationship during this time growing up that I took for granted was my relationship with Jesus. And so when everything else fell apart, that thing fell apart as well because I had not put in the time beforehand. He said, maybe there are others like me who have lost this year and feel like they're picking up the pieces and they're feeling a spiritual darkness that's coming alongside their emotional loss this year. One of my favorite books that I read about 10 years ago is, is called Tattoos on the Heart. It's by a Catholic priest named Greg uh, Boyle. And in the 80s, he moves into to East LA into a neighborhood called the Dolores Mission. And he said the biggest problem with the Dolores mission in East L.A. in the 80s was not the gangs, though they were rampant, but that there was a lethal absence of hope. That when you walked into this neighborhood, you felt a tangible bodily darkness. He, uh, he now heads up an institution called Homeboy Industries, which is the largest gang prevention and rehab in the U.S., and they, they see an average of 16,000 people a day in his ministry. But he said, the main goal is not getting people out of the gang, though we obviously want to do this. The main goal of our industry is to get them out of a season of lethal darkness of hopelessness. And so maybe you've been in this same spot over the last year. Maybe things have felt dark and you felt some sense of hopelessness. And yet Mary 
And John 20 gives us the invitation to go, looking for Jesus when all things seem lost. As I mentioned, uh, I grew up in the Ozarks, and we would play hide-and-go-seek a lot. We would never hide in those dark cubby holes. One of my famous uh, preachers is, is a guy named Fred Craddock. And he has a famous story of, of him playing hide-and-go-seek as a kid. So he writes in one of his books, he says, I was the best in my family at hide-and-go-seek. And obviously, I was too good. So he said, often I would come back after two or three hours of being hidden in the dark and ask why no one had come and looked for me. And they said, we did. We just gave up. And so he said, I learned as I continued my excellence in hide-and-go-seek that after an hour or so, I would just I would, I would stick a toe out or I would, I would sneak a hand out and, and wiggle it just so someone could see me. And he says, I wanted to stick a toe out because in seasons when I felt lost in the darkness, at the end of the day, I wanted to be found. And so the last 16 months have, have been a dark season. And as we're transitioning out of this season, I hope that we take encouragement from Mary in John 20. Uh, that when all seemed lost in the middle of the night, she went looking for Jesus. And we find out in the text that Mary is the first to find Jesus. And that Jesus isn't in the graveyards of the past, but instead Jesus is in the garden of the future. And so this is the, the key. This is what Fred Craddock says of this text. The most important part of this story is that Jesus is not dead. He is risen, but that he also wants to be found by us. That maybe Jesus is sticking a toe out. Maybe he's sticking a hand out. And maybe he's whispering our name as he whispers the name Mary. That he's waiting for us. He's looking for us when all hope seems lost. And Jesus is not hiding from us this morning. Jesus wants to be found. When all things seem dark, when all hope seems lost, may we as a church, may we as individuals, continue to go looking for Jesus in the gardens of our future. And may we find him waiting for us if we only have the courage to go looking.